The Start On Demand. On demand. Western Manitoba got pounded by storms on Sunday. So much so that Mackling said, I got to get out to Brandon. So he joined us from Brandon. Also on the weather, we'll talk about the heat warning that continues for Southern Manitoba. The Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service joins us with some safety concerns. And we get your tips on how to beat the heat if you don't have air conditioning. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling in Brandon and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, June 29th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Boy, oh boy. Western Manitoba is... uh, Actually, Greg is on his way there right now after... Storms pummeled the area yesterday, Loren. Just it took me uh, like half an hour this morning just to sift through all of the pictures and video from various locations. I can't believe what I was seeing, Loren. Yeah, it's pretty incredible stuff when you think of the amount of rainfall that fell. First of all, we've got Environment Canada reporting up to 150 millimeters in the Brandon area, but we've got other people on Twitter saying they might have seen as much as 180 millimeters, which is just insane. We had streets flooding uh, in Brandon. Uh, we know there were reports of basements with some issues. The hospital in Brandon, there was an incredible video that we've shared, and I'll reshare on my Twitter account of the basement flooding at the hospital in Brandon. Minnedosa got hit hard. Rapid City got hit hard. We're hearing reports of a possible tornado there because bins were toppled and uh, different machinery tossed around, trees and all the rest. So Environment Canada is going to join us in about 10 minutes just to see what we've got there in terms of damage. But Really just a, a, a crazy storm that hovered. It sounds like it just settled over uh, southwest Manitoba and stayed there for hours on end, Brett. Yeah, looking at uh, some sort of captures of the radar, it looked like it was just a, a balloon that was blowing up and just sort of demolishing uh, that area, so to speak. And uh, we have those pictures and video up as well on our 680 CJOB Instagram, a variety of people sharing video, uh, drive, driving through the streets. They might as well have been on a pontoon driving down the street. I think, Loren, you were able to find somebody who took a picture of somebody floating down a street in Brandon on a tube. I don't know why this happens every storm, but I think it's a pretty safe bet that no matter no matter which town gets hit in Manitoba, if there's more than, I think it must be a rule, if there's more than a foot of water on your road, you must treat it like a lake, otherwise you get kicked out of the town. But yes, there's a woman sitting on an inner tube on a street in Brandon that was posted uh, last night by some folks living there. And then you mentioned the cars trying to work their way through. So if a car's going down some of these streets, the water was so deep last night that it was creating a wake that would bang up against uh, the driveways and and houses. And so that was causing some concern because people, of course, were going around to check on people they know. But also there's always those who want to see the damage after a storm. So Brandon police actually put a warning last night saying, hey, if you don't need to be on the road, please do not be on the road. We've got a number of vehicles that are stranded. We don't have the people to respond to any more requests. So stay home if you have to. So that went out late. Uh, and then I believe there was another round of rain that may have passed before midnight. So we're looking to get those totals, but the pictures are pretty incredible. And I, I think the concern is that there might be more coming, Brett, either with the rain or just the heat. 
that we've been feeling. And you know when you get this kind of heat. I think, did you say it's 22 at 6 a.m.? Yep, yep, 22 degrees. I had to double check you. I didn't want to call you out, but I thought, that can't be right. And then I went and looked on the our weather uh, page, and sure enough. So the heat is another part of the equation here. Yeah, that's right. We're looking at a high today of 32 degrees, going to feel like 40, all of southern Manitoba under a heat warning. That's actually going to be the topic of our conversation at 645. How to beat the heat if you don't have air conditioning. I can't say that everybody has lived somewhere without air conditioning, but I know when I moved into my apartment when I lived on Corden at the Lord the Lord Harrow Apartments at Corden and Harrow, I moved in there in February 2014, and it, it's a suite that was not equipped with any sort of air conditioning, not even a window unit, but I didn't go out of my way to acquire any Anything. And sure enough, uh, when it finally got over 30 degrees in, I think it was July 2nd, if memory serves, but uh, suddenly it was just unbearable in my apartment and all I could do was suffer. I just, I basically sat and suffered to the point where I didn't even want to go home. And I started doing research on, on how to beat the heat without AC. So if you have any tips on that, text them 204-780-6868. Have you ever lived somewhere without AC? And what do you do when you can't, you know, cool off? And there are some weird tips out there, Loren. Like I was stunned to learn that eating spicy food can actually help you cool down if you have no AC. Yeah, spicy food is one of them. And actually, there's also people who will swear by something warm, like if you have a tea, for example, and it sort of um, regulates your internal body temperature. And so therefore, you're not feeling so... Uh, it's not such a shock to have that heat. So some people will swear by having warmer things. Like, And it sounds crazy, but it there, there's some science behind it, apparently. And so there'll be those who might eat. Like you, you think, oh, I would never have a bowl of soup on a hot day. Well, maybe that is a good strategy, depending on where you're at. Maybe it isn't just about the coldest possible shot of water. Um, even other people I know... I remember working in Toronto and they used to get crazy humidity smog days and the paramedics in that city would encourage people without it to fill a sink with water if you could or a tub or a bowl and and lay your hand in it, like cool off a part of your body if you can because, yeah, with no AC. And I lived my first, I think, 15 years of my life without AC and then many, many apartments since then without. And it is it can be unbearable was your word. You just have to lay there and hope and you pray for morning hoping that it would cool off in the morning, which of course you knew wasn't going to be the case. It was only going to get warmer. Yeah, and that's right. And that was that was the, the rub because I liked to, to sleep with my windows open, but that was part of the reason why my apartment was so bad because it was not only hot, but it was also humid. So once all of that humidity sort of made its way into my apartment, I had no way to get rid of it. Uh, so opening the window actually did... It didn't do me any favor, so I just had to close the windows, close the blinds, and and hope that it would stay below 27 degrees. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have been feverishly uploading video to our 680CJOB Twitter, to our 680CJOB Instagram from various spots in western Manitoba, Rapid City, Brandon, Minnedosa. Greg has been tweeting some footage from Brandon. He has arrived, and how did you put it, Greg? The welcome to Brandon sign usually doesn't have a water feature. Yeah, that's exactly it, Brett. As you come in on Highway 1 from Winnipeg into Brandon, just west of the city, there's a beautiful sign there. It is now completely surrounded by water. It's on the north side of Highway Number 1, and it's essentially a lake where a ditch 
was the prominent, uh, I guess, would be uh, feature, <laughs> land feature. And then as you make your way a little bit further west to the intersection of what's First Street uh, or Highway, well, I guess it is uh, Highway 10. I just got to make sure I'm getting that right. Yes, it is Highway 10. And just south of the Brandon Airport, the northeast corner, there's a Volvo truck dealership. And we got reports of upwards of 100 independent reports, not verified by Environment Canada yet, but uh, on Twitter from independent uh, weather stations of up to 180 millimeters of rain, not far from the Brandon Airport at Forest. And let me tell you, it is a raging river flowing underneath Highway 10 and that water trying to make its way east a little bit into uh, what's, a, what's a little bit of a stream just to the east of Brandon. So it didn't take long. wasn't even in the city. And I could tell that uh, the amount of water here is absolutely overwhelming. Well, I know, Greg, you're going to do what you do and drive around and roam around and talk to folks and see what else is out there. But even on, we mentioned our social media pages and the different videos we've seen. I've got some friends who live just north of Brandon uh, in Minnedosa. And one of them was talking about how they've been working through the night to keep their basements dry because there's really only so many places the water can go. So you mentioned the ditches first and then the culverts and then the water moving underneath the road. And it's really what's pretty amazing for me to see is just how fast that water is moving. I mean, you mentioned... I think on your Twitter account that it was a torrent of rain, but it, it, there's rapids in that water. That's how much rain is pushing through the area right now from that storm that Environment Canada says just sat over Brandon for hours yesterday. Well, it's 6.40 in the morning. I know it rained till close till midnight. I think it was their third round of it here. And for them to still have, for there to be this much water still moving, you know that it's in places that it's not supposed to be. And as I drove down into Brandon, down the North Hill, south on First Street, over the bridge, there's a little bit of a dam in the Assiniboine River. And you can always tell, you can always gauge how high the Assiniboine is based on whether or not you can see that dam. Well, you can almost not see it this morning, which means there's a lot of water pouring into that Assiniboine River Basin. I've just made my way to the Brandon Hospital on Twitter, on the various, I think, Instagram, on cgob.com. We've got video of the flooded basement at Brandon General Hospital last night. Under normal circumstances, it would be fairly easy to try and get into the hospital to take a peek and see what's going on, but I have a su suspicion I'm going to have to get some special permission to get in there based on COVID-19 uh, protocols. So I I'm at the hospital now to try and find out if they're, if they're uh, back to uh, normal, so to speak, here at the hospital. And we spoke with Environment Canada last half hour. And as far as in, in terms of official uh, rainfall totals, they're saying in the 150 millimeter ballpark. But as you pointed out, Greg, there are independent stations upwards of 180. And uh, the general region, 120 to 160 millimeters over the last 24 hours. And no confirmed report yet of a tornado in Rapid City. Uh, they Funnel clouds were spotted. They are working on confirming whether or not there was a tornado. We also have have pictures of damage uh, that was south of Rapid City. Um, but in terms of Western Manitoba, I mean, you guys both 
have ties to Western Manitoba. Loren, when you saw the creek in Minnedosa, Global's Abigail Turner t- taking some footage of the creek, that was raging as well. Um, have you ever seen that water that high? No, and I have family there right now. And I know they have before. I mean, it's in a valley. It's got the river that runs through it. They've definitely seen um, some flash flooding and overland flooding before. I hadn't experienced it like that. But, you know, just in case it works better for our listeners, 150 millimeters is uh, five to six inches. That's, you know, close to half a foot we're talking about of rain. And there are reports, and we're working, I've sent out a, a call and an email to CN Rail, but it sounds like in May, in Minnedosa there might be some issues with the rail line that runs right through town, and, and that rail line goes through many small towns in southwestern Manitoba. You get too much rain, the rail ties can move, and so there's some questions as to whether people can get through town as they would normally because the rail line may have had some damage to it. Again, may is the keyword here. We've got a request out to CN to see if that's the case, but there's damage to the rail lines. Uh, we know there's different damage to farm properties that we're talking about in Rapid City with bins tossed, and is it quince? I've never know how to say this word, quiznets, like, or, like the huts. I have the word I'm using I had never seen I had never even seen that word until that was in one of our uh, uh one of the information sharing on our um newsroom service here but yeah I have no idea how to say that Lorraine. Yeah, is it a so, quonset? Is it a quonset? Yeah, yes. So it would be like a, sh- a shed, but I believe it's more of a softer shed, right? It's not necessarily right. a hard topper might have more soft sides. So that's the word uh uh, Greg, so the, the, some of those were toppled, but there's bins that are down, and so just a lot, a lot of damage to discuss. And I was saying to you guys this morning, it was actually I know in 2014 that Brandon got really hit with some rain. It was like uh, prolonged periods of rain throughout the month of June, and then near the end of June. They had a whack of rain that caused a state of emergency in many small towns, including the city of Brandon uh, in 2014. So we've got lots of questions about. Overall damage, Greg, I know you'll be uh, sussing out the situation and chatting with folks and, and where that leaves them in terms of uh, cleanup uh, for a few days to come, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I would suspect so. Now, I was expecting, quite frankly, when I got into the valley, uh, there are some soccer fields just to the north of Assiniboine River that I believe they used for the Western Canada Games here when they had the, or might have been the Canada Games when they had the summer games here in 97. Uh, those were flooded, I believe, back in 2014. But mm-hmm. I'm taking a run back to what they call the Corral Centre. It's a it's a power shopping centre with the Home Depot, Walmart. It's like they've jammed every little and large box retailer you can imagine all into this one area in Brandon and that. That lies right at the bottom of the North Hill, and I know in the past they have really gotten hammered in major uh, flooding events, uh, whether it's spring flooding or back in 2014, as you mentioned, Loren, and I was just taking a look at some of the pictures from then. So I'm going to make a run over there before I I come on back to the hospital, see what I can find out. But uh, down trees uh, and branches, yes, for sure, but... Uh, it doesn't look like an absolute disaster like Winnipeg did following the snow on October 9th, but small sample size. I've only been in Brandon for about 20 minutes now. All right, well, we will continue to hear from Greg throughout the morning in Brandon. Greg, thanks for heading out there. He texted us at 3 this morning saying, should I go to Brandon? And uh, <laughs> just to take you behind the curtain, I said, I'm not prepared to dispatch you two hours west, so you make the call yourself, I buddy. was. Hit the road. <laughs> 
if I had had childcare, I'd be on the road. It's uh, you know because once I saw those reports, I just wanted to see for myself what was going on there. Plus, of course, it's our neck of the woods. Maybe it's easier for us to make that call, Brett, because of our connections to Westman. It's a good excuse to go home. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. The weather, the big story today. Greg is in western Manitoba. He is in Brandon. We will continue to hear from him after those storms that pounded the region yesterday. We've got pictures and video all over our 680 CJOB Instagram as well as Twitter. And make sure you follow Greg on Twitter as well, at GMACWPG. He'll surely be posting stuff through the morning. But the other weather component that we're discussing this morning is that heat warning that is in effect for all of southern Manitoba. And for many of us, we might not you might not have air conditioning. You might not have somewhere to go to cool down. So we want to talk right now about maybe things that you've done over the years to try at least try to beat the heat when you don't have AC. So Jeff Fortier is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Braun is here. Fortier, why don't we start with you? Do you have air conditioning in your apartment? Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I it, could I could not live without it. Window unit? No, it's a, it's a unit that's actually like above my front door. It's uh, kind of hard to describe what it is. But something I, I do, because I went for a walk yesterday, but I put uh, a bottle of water in the fridge like an hour and a half before I left. Yep. But uh, within 20 minutes, it was it was warm water by the time I was in my walk. Oh, wow. Minutes. Oh, yeah. It's so hot. You bring it outside, yeah, the, by the time you get home, that water is probably warm. Yeah, I try keeping stuff in the freezer, though. Like like a bottle of water, bottle for example? Bottle of water, yep. Okay, well, we did have that text message earlier as well from uh, uh, Tracy and Perry who say when we go to cottage country, we do not have air conditioning. I put ice packs in pillowcases and place them on my body. They've got a cottage out in Malachi in Ontario. Beautiful spot, Lauren. I was going to say, just to jump in there, Brett, that that's actually what we used to do growing up. Uh, we had an older farmhouse until I was about 14, 15, and my sister and I would often sneak into the kitchen and grab the uh, the packs that you put in a cooler, you know, the picnic packs. They're like the ice blocks or whatever, not just ice, but the, the stuff that you would take if you're trying to keep stuff cold in the cooler, and then we would put it underneath the sheets and create like a cold spot, and then you could roll onto the cold spot. And then if you're being really brave, you would just... Flat out lay that thing on your back and sleep with it for as long as you could handle it because it would get so hot and that you didn't care how cold that ice pack was. You just needed to cool down. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Kelly Moore? Find someone with a basement and become their new best friend for a day or two. <laughs> yeah, basements. A buddy of mine, his place doesn't have air conditioning, and he and his girlfriend are sleeping in the basement right now because it's 28 degrees in his place. But it's funny how, like, I was at my buddy's place uh, on Saturday, Kelly, and uh, his boys were hanging out in the basement, and they came upstairs in, like, sweatsuits because it was cold in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I know it's like, like that as well. For us, we'll have the AC running, and if we uh, emerge from the basement and come upstairs, boy, you notice the difference uh, in terms of the uh, the temperature. But the other thing too, I, I think you know, if you just uh, get a, uh, th- there are these. I'm trying to think of what the material would be, but you can wet them down. And and they're kind of like a cold cloth that you could put over, you know across your shoulders or you can put over your head or whatever, and and you know they do eventually warm up, but at least they provide some relief. And you you know even if you don't have air conditioning, you have access to water. Oh, very good, very good. What about you, Jeff Braun? Um, I got a couple. One is if I find that if I go swimming, if I jump in the pool 
that cools me right down. And even when I get out of the pool and go back to a, a warm apartment, that it's not nearly as bad as it was pre-swim. So if you, that's an option, that usually works for me. The other thing I do, it's the couch potato solution, Brett. Go to the movies. I remember <laughs> a heat wave, a heat wave in the summer of 98. And I had bad air conditioning that just couldn't keep up. So I went to when they used to have the cheap theater there on Pemina at uh, Bishop Grandin and watched Titanic. It was a three-hour movie and a beautifully just frigid theater. There was about eight people in there. Most of them were truck drivers having naps to get out of the heat. And, uh, yeah, it was for $1.25. I got to beat the heat for three hours. Nice, nice. And uh, we're just, we had a couple of other text messages here. Gene says, no AC in our house, so we dine out a lot. We drive around a lot. Every summer we just say, this will pass. And it always does. And Don says, mom used to fill milk cartons with water and freeze them during the winter. And all summer she'd put them by the inlet of the furnace and turn on the fan. So that's kind of an ingenious uh, way to do things as well. Uh, not a couple of other tips here. I think, Forte, you, do you have blackout curtains in your place? Oh, I, I do. Uh, not in my bedroom. I, I do. I don't have them uh, set up yet, but uh, in my living room, yeah, they're set up. And, yeah, you close those, put the AC on, and it, it's nice and cool. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, too, spicy food apparently helps because it forces your body to cool itself down as you eat the food that heats you up. Loren, I think you talked about drinking uh, a cup of tea. Yes, because there's some science that shows it'll warm up your internal body temperature, and then that makes you sweat more, and then the more you sweat, the more you cool down. And so, I, I don't know, I've never ever in my life wanted a hot cup of tea, but I did on Friday have a bowl of soup. And I actually found that we had biked to one of the little cafes in town. And so the kids had a sandwich and I, they were like, you're getting soup. And I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. I kind of feel like it. And maybe it'll cool me down for the bike ride home. It didn't hurt. So it was a, it was a good tip. And by the way, I think Jeff tweeted yesterday. Did you not, Ron, that you couldn't handle the, not, wasn't enough air conditioning in your apartment. So you had moved on to a restaurant to enjoy their much better yeah, air conditioning. I was going to move into the subway down the street and live there for a day. <laughs> it was nice and cold. I was the only one in there. It was awesome. If you have a ceiling fan, by the way, if you live in an apartment, for example, with no AC, but maybe you have a ceiling fan, uh, make sure it's running counter clockwise uh, because that because I guess you're supposed to adjust them uh, your 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 ceiling fan seasonally and uh, doing it counterclockwise creates sort of uh, like a wind tunnel sort of effect to to cool place hang on a second what does it say set to run counterclockwise at a higher speed the fans airflow will create a wind chill breeze effect that will make you and your guests feel cooler and there's another one it says spritz like wet your curtains Sprit like spritzing or soaking your curtains or leaving the bottoms to sit in buckets of water apparently is a great way to cool down any incoming sunlight. Mm. I that's neat. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, Mackling in Brandon. We're getting all kinds of text messages. At 204-780-6868 on how to beat the heat if you don't have air conditioning. And we will share those throughout the morning here. But here's another text from Eve, one of our most loyal listeners, one of the most loyal members of the 680 CJOB family. And he's touched on something that uh, I've recently lamented on this program, and that's the speed on the perimeter. Now, he's on the uh, north uh, perimeter going westbound, and he says, looks like uh, the speed limit... And the rush hour on the perimeter is 120. I'm getting passed like I'm just like I'm stopped, like I'm not even moving by a ton. 
of people. And, uh, Loren, this actually ties into an announcement that's being made from the province uh, regarding the south perimeter. Yeah, they've planned a news conference for later this morning to discuss infrastructure improvements to the south perimeter. I know that's been a topic of heavy debate over the past few years, but at 10 a.m. today, they're going to announce some safety improvements to the south perimeter highway. We've been talking about that for a while. I know last fall we had that tragic accident uh, right near the Brady Road landfill, and that prompted a slightly reduced speed change from 100 to 80 kilometers per hour. That was never meant to be a a permanent solution, uh, but they were going to make changes to the road. They were going to build a side road that would go to Waverly that would take traffic accessing the perimeter onto a side road and, and have a more controlled intersection because the landfill is part of the issue. Um, and so they've already said there's going to be significant upgrades in 2020. It's not clear to me if they're making a new announcement or just going to remind Manitobans what they plan to do, but I don't think you'd find anyone who's, who would argue that there doesn't need to be something done on that south perimeter. Too many places to turn off, not enough controlled intersections, too many people speeding and not paying attention and you had mentioned Brett despite the fact that that speed was reduced in that section from about Waverly uh, just past the Brady Road from 100 kilometers to 80 nobody's paying attention to that they're not even going 100 let alone the 80 limit yeah people were just blowing past me same same as Eve as though I was standing still and uh, as listeners have pointed out there are 10 signs from that stretch because it goes from Waverly just uh, beyond the turnoff for highway 330 that goes into LaSalle which is where I spend time golfing but 10 signs along that stretch and it's not that long of a stretch but there are 10 signs that say it's 80 so if you're speeding on that stretch like if you don't know that the speed limit is 80 then you're not paying attention and, and you shouldn't be driving as far as I'm concerned. But, Greg, the south perimeter uh, is something that uh, you in particular, have you've been beating the drum on the south perimeter since we started doing a show together like th- four years ago. Yeah, that's true. And the number of stop lights and traffic signals along that stretch of highways, absolutely unacceptable in this day and age. 1960 or thereabouts when they built the perimeter, uh, that was one thing. You could manage traffic flow and, and give people an opportunity to turn off and on the perimeter highway with uh, traffic signals without any difficulty. But, you know, Winnipeg's doubled in size since then, and, and that is essentially the Trans-Canada Highway for truck drivers bypassing the city of Winnipeg. I wonder how many of them take the north perimeter now instead because of that interchange at 59 and the perimeter which is absolutely spectacular and uh, yeah the province has done a good job in terms of shutting down some of those uh, horrible places where you could turn left I think they closed off uh, I think it was close to two dozen in the last year and you cannot turn left off of Brady Road when you leave the the uh, uh, I want to call it the dump I'll call it the dump Everybody calls it the dump. The Brady Road landfill is the more acceptable terminology. And so uh, those are some of the improvements. But yeah, as Loren said, that's just short-term stuff. I got past. I was doing 118 because it's 110 on the Trans-Canada. So I was going 118. And I got blown past by, guess guess what province license plate? Anybody want to guess? Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan. Alberta. Oh. The dude the dude must have been going one fifty and I'm not exaggerating. And uh left me in my dust or in his dust in his wake. And uh yeah, I, oh Albertans love to drive fast. 
Well, the speed limits out there, I think, have for a long time been 110, have they not? And so, therefore, we just made that switch a few years ago. And so, Albertans are used to going already that higher speed limit. I'm not making any excuse for 150. The the big that it's not just the left turns on the perimeter that they've worked to close, though. It's just the fact that there's so many places that you have to come to a stop. And a reminder that that young man who lost his life last year, he lost it sitting. He was stopped, not doing anything wrong when he was hit from behind, right? And so there's all those different opportunities for someone to be hurt when you're even doing the right thing because there's so many lights, there's so many stops, there's so many places to turn. And if someone's not paying attention or someone's going too fast and you're that innocent victim sitting there, you could potentially get hurt. And so I know his family's been calling for a lot of change and, and I'm curious to see what more, if any, change is coming, Greg, to the south perimeter. Yeah, it would be great to see. I'm in the parking lot at Brander Shoppers Mall right now. I know we've got to get out here, but uh, Loren, you mentioned there was uh, some flooding here, and you can see uh, at the south end of the mall, the elevation uh, from the movie theater that's just south of it down to the mall where the sport check is, it's easily a 15 to 20 foot uh, variance in elevation. And there's all sorts of seeds and leaves that are at the bottom of this valley here. So I can imagine that this was completely filled with water at one point. And now I'm, I can see at the sport check, there's a first on-site crew here. So I would imagine they're cleaning up some water. So I'm going to try and get into Brandon Chopper's Mall and see what happened here last night. And if you want to see video of that particular spot, we do have some of that on our 680 CJOB Instagram feed, both on the feed and in our story. And uh, just a text here from Don on the perimeter. He says, I've always used used the North Perimeter, Don, as a trucker. He's in Macon, Georgia today, by the way, uh, listening from Georgia. He says, I've always used the North Perimeter, South Perimeter is indeed a death trap. So thank you for the feedback, as always, at 204-780-6868. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is in Brandon after those storms that pounded western Manitoba this morning. We'll continue to hear from him throughout the morning. But one of the other weather topics we're mentioning this morning, as Loren said, heat is the story. Heat warning in effect after Global News at 8 o'clock. We're speaking with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service on issues with staying cool when there's no access to air conditioning or places to cool off. But we're asking you for your tips on how to beat the heat if you don't have air conditioning. Jacques, for example, says my daughter bought an indoor air conditioner for her apartment. It exhausted uh, via a hose to a window. The pain with that is that you had to empty a container of water, but it worked great to beat the heat. I had a portable AC as well. I didn't need to uh, empty it, Loren, but I bought one that <laughs> I bought one that was too big. Uh, it was meant to, to cool off. Oh, it didn't off. fit the window. Well, no, it was just too, it fit the window. It was just too big for what I needed because it was meant to, to cool like 500 square feet but so it was like this tank so I tried it in my bedroom and it was so loud that I actually had dreams that a tank was rolling through my bedroom and I had to it was too loud for my bedroom too loud for my living room so I ended up keeping it in the kitchen so as a result none of the rooms I frequented were were cool but my apartment was tolerable but we got some other great uh, suggestions here too. Yeah, I had never heard of this one from a listener who wrote that the keep cool trick at bedtime was to put a plastic sheet, like a shower curtain on your bed, put wet PJs or a t-shirt on, and then put the fan on. It's amazing, right? So I'm guessing the plastic sheets just to keep your bed from getting wet. 
I don't know if I could handle putting the wet PJs on, but I do remember having a fan once, Brett, and I would always put it on that oscillating mode, you know, so it would turn back and forth. Yep. And I'm not sure why. This is when I was living in Ottawa. And so it gives you that the whole night you're laying there like, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. Oh, yeah, there you are. No, 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 come back. Oh, yeah, there you are. And I'm like, why would I not just put it on? The steady mode. Like, I don't know well, what I, I was I think, thinking. I think it creates that kind of, like, it simulates a breeze almost, right? Where you get yeah. this, like, sort of roving breeze. But you hear it coming, like, here it comes, it's going to hit me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it goes away again. <laughs> like, it's so weird. It kind of creates that almost metronome feeling too, right? Yes. That can calm you down as well. Uh, Dan says to cool down, put ice packs in your armpits. They cool your blood and it circulates through the body. And then uh, Lolita, this is interesting. She says, uh, put cool water in your bathtub so you can go in there whenever you want. Two, for going to sleep, use a wet towel. And I always drink hot coffee no matter how hot it is, even when I go out, because that helps to cool things down. And then finally, Jacob says, when my big black lab was still alive, on hot days, we go in the basement and listen to old records. He'd lay on the cool floor drinking water. I'd sit in my old rocker drinking beer. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for these suggestions so far. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is in Brandon this morning after those wicked storms in Westman. We'll continue to hear about that throughout the morning on 680 CJOB. But we're just going to press pause on the weather, the heat warning in effect, storms in Westman, to talk about an interesting situation happening, Greg, in the North American Ice Hockey League. If you can believe it, Friday night was the National Hockey League draft lottery, and the Winnipeg Jets are one of the play-in teams. So, essentially, the um, basically they had the lowest odds of getting the first overall pick in the uh, draft lottery. And a funny thing happened on the way to the Ottawa Senators getting the number one pick. Krishna Omel is the host of the CJOB Sports Story show. He joins us now. Christian, uh, the Jets are in the running for a pretty good hockey player. Well, there are a lot of teams in the running for this pretty good hockey player. The thing is, none of them are the worst seven teams in the league. So, yes, the team placeholder, Team E, won the NHL draft lottery on Friday, and a lot of people on uh, in cities like Ottawa and Detroit, who had really bad teams this year, are left scratching their head. Now, we often see teams that aren't terrible move up a lot in the draft lottery, but just the fact that this year is so different and this year has so many teams still alive makes this uh, a very weird situation. Team E had a 2.5% chance of winning that first overall pick, and they did. Now, the the problem I have with what happened is that they held the draft lottery at all. This would they They did it like they normally would have. The same odds were allocated to all the same teams, but why not just wait until the play-in series is over? I don't get why they did this when they did. I, I know that they had a lot of people talking about it, maybe not for the right reasons, but the NBA is having their draft lottery after their playoff teams are all set. I don't know why the NHL couldn't wait to do the same. So explain to me, Christian, because I, I was way behind trying to catch up in terms of why everyone was so mad when I woke up Saturday morning trying to figure out, well, like, aren't we happy about this as Winnipeg Jets fans, or were you just mad about the system? So you said Team E, so they did it so that we don't know yet who could be the top pick, right? So like, right, explain right. to me a bit the process behind there. So they did three separate draws for the top three picks. They did the first pick, all the teams that were out of the playoffs, all seven of them, had their specific odds, 
and then all the rest of the odds that are normally given to teams 8 through 15 were or 8 through 14 or is it 15 now it's 15 yes because there's 31 teams sorry they were given to just like team a team b team c whatever the collective odds of those non terrible teams actually outweighed the total combined odds of the top seven so yes there was a chance that this could happen and once it did well now we've got the teams that are still playing in the play-in series that could get that team e so what happens now that that has been done is they'll do the play-in series hopefully they actually get back on the ice the eight teams that don't win the play-in series each have a 12.5 percent chance of getting that first overall pick. They just do one draw. Whichever team comes out of that draw gets the first overall pick, and from there they're just allocated based on their points percentage. All right, so... Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, it's clear as the mud that's okay. in some people's basement and garages in Westman this morning, but okay. I get it. I get it, Christian. Okay. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, I mean, the draft lottery can be fun. I'm thinking uh, mm-hmm. in terms of basketball, I remember back in 1992, the Orlando Magic had already won the first pick the year before, and then they went on to get Shaquille O'Neal in a year that they shouldn't have ended up with the first pick. I remember watching it and they were just elated uh, Christian that they ended up with Shaq. Of course, people were criticizing the system but I mean, everybody gets a shot with these lotteries, right? Yeah, and the, the systems both in the NBA and NHL have been tinkered with endlessly over the years in terms of the odds. Who, how, how much do you give a team that is seemingly trying to lose? Should you reward failure like that? And the NHL, the last, I think, five years has done this exact same setup. And and we've seen teams like Winnipeg was supposed to pick sixth that one year. And they moved up to second to get Patrick Laine. But for a team, Team E was, you know, hypothetically supposed to pick 12th. And they moved up to number one. We've seen in the past the NHL wouldn't allow teams to move up that many spots. They could only move up a certain number of spots. But... It gives a little weird extra incentive to your team losing in the play-in series. You could say, oh, well, you know what? We could still get Alexi Lafreniere. So there's, I guess, a silver lining for one of the teams that doesn't make the playoffs still. Christian O'Mell is the host of the CJOB Sports Show from 7 until 9. He'll be joined by Bob Irving. Also, make sure you follow Christian on Instagram for his daily (laughs) series of unsportunate events, which are one of my daily favorite things. I enjoy watching your cat. What's your cat's name, by the way, Christian? Sully, and he's trying to eat my foot right now. (laughs) Southern Manitoba is under that heat warning. Yeah, and has been for the past few days with temperatures around 30 or 32 degrees, some some places 34 degrees, but with that humidex, it feels like more closer to 38 or 40 in some parts of southern Manitoba. So the heat has been extreme. And as we were talking throughout the morning, Brett, about ways we try to beat the heat if we don't have air conditioning, we wanted to think about the people who don't even have a place to go, might not even have an option to run some water, take a shower, as some have suggested, maybe uh, throw on that pot of tea to help bring your internal temperature up. There's all sorts of ways that people can't even choose to beat the heat at all. And so we're joined now by Assistant Chief Jay Shaw of the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. How are you guys? We're good. We know weather can uh, create all sorts of issues for your folks and your firefighter paramedics. And I'm curious what kind of calls you've been getting over the past weekend, Jay, when it comes to people having challenges uh, beating the heat and maybe even being sick from the heat. So I don't have any new statistics in terms of being able to tell you that we're seeing an increase in calls related to heat, but I can tell you anecdotally that anytime we get uh, heat like this, that we are going to see 
uh, uh, some increases in terms of, uh, of calls for uh, for heat or or uh, dehydration or, or things of that nature. So uh, you got to take care. All city workers right now are uh, are taking precautions. We do put out uh, internal messaging uh, uh, for all city workers, including our members of the fire paramedic service. So we're uh, we're monitoring for sure. It's uh, it's been a, a few uh, warm days, and there's a few more coming though. I believe Greg is with us here as well, and we'll go to Greg in a moment. But, Jay, we've been talking this morning about ways to beat the heat, as Loren suggested, if you don't have air conditioning. But there are Winnipeggers uh, who simply don't even have a home. How concerning are these temperatures for our homeless population? Uh, it's concerning. So what the city of Winnipeg does is we, we do have a, a, a heat plan and a strategy where we work with uh, all of our stakeholders in, term, uh, in terms of the Salvation Army and Main Street Project and then Homeless Winnipeg. And if there is a need for the city to be able to assess them with uh, a buildings or infrastructure or anything like that, uh, the, the city would step up and be able to support if required. Uh, the things that I sort of wanted to, uh, to get across for everyone is sort of four uh, main tips today in terms of knowing the risk and uh, kind of slowing down. I want people to make sure they're taking care of their, pet, their pets. And I also want people to check on their neighbors. So um, we can talk about the vulnerabilities if you want, but there's a, there's a lot of things we can talk about here with heat. Uh, so let me know where you guys want to go. It's a great place to go, Jay. I was actually thinking about, you know, how do we recognize somebody that might be in distress from the heat, from the sun? Yeah, so great question. And and basically, so what we want to know in terms of the risks is that who are most vulnerable? So it's older adults, infants and young children, people with chronic illnesses. Uh, and then, of course, uh, like you talked about, uh, individuals experiencing homelessness, uh, and those that maybe economically don't have the uh, ability to be able to afford uh, air conditioning and things like that. So we want to be looking out for heat edema. You know, we start talking about getting heat cramps, which are those first signs. Then as we start moving up into heat exhaustion and heat stroke, these are serious conditions. So the tips that we want to talk about today is to stay hydrated, slow down. When it's hot like this, you cannot expect your body to be able to go through the same physical exertion that you normally would put your body through if you're working outside or being outside. So you got to make sure you take things a little bit slower. I've been listening to your radio station for the last half hour, so the tips and that the callers are bringing in to cool down, all good, just be careful. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, drink lots of water, check on your neighbours, take care of your pets, and a couple things that the city is doing right now, we've got a couple water tanks out uh, in, in areas to provide water because we want to be able to provide that, that extra water service. We got one in the Broadway Young area and we got one uh, in the Main Street area. And if required and we needed to work with our, our stakeholders, the city would look at opening up a cooling center. The interesting part that, that I want you guys to remember about heat here, it's not just we want to talk about the temperature during the daytime. It's how low does the temperature go at night? You remember cities are concrete jungles. So what happens is that the city, if the temperature doesn't go below 16 degrees at nighttime, the city doesn't really get a chance to reset, to release that heat, so it slowly builds. So we're watching this very carefully right now and making sure uh, that everyone is safe, and if we see a need, we're going to take some steps and some actions. Yeah, it creates that urban heat island, Jay, because of all the concrete that we might have and then the way it can't uh, absorb into the trees or grass if you don't have that in the neighbourhood. You used the term just now, be careful. Is that terms of, in terms of some of the tips that you've heard, And just so that I can be clear about that, or is it more just be careful because people might not recognise they're in distress until it's too late when it comes to the heat? It's so very different from what I, I we experience with the cold. 
I think a little bit of all that. I, I wouldn't want someone who's experiencing uh, signs and symptoms of heat exhaustion to immerse themselves in, in you know, in, in, in an ice bath. Or we just have to use uh, uh, understand our risk, and we just have to make sure that we're uh, we're being careful out there in all aspects of that. So, um, you know, the, uh, heat can be dangerous. Um, you know, we've looked at heat waves in Chicago, Europe. Um, uh, the the effects can be catastrophic. So the city is monitoring. We are working with our stakeholder partners, um, and and we will uh, will take some steps. We did, it does look like in a day or two we're going to get some thunderstorms. Should cool off a little bit, but we've got some some summer heat coming. Uh, Winnipeg gets good weather over the summer, so we're going to be watching this the whole. Uh, the whole month of July and August, for sure. Assistant Chief Jay Shaw, you mentioned that there's a water station in the Main Street area. Where exactly on Main? So we we, we usually put a water tank um, uh, where you can fill up your water bottles and things like that uh, in and around uh, some vulnerable uh, areas uh, in downtown. So uh, in the Salvation Army and Main Street Project area, there's usually a water tank when it gets hot. And then we've uh, looked to put one in the Broadway and Young area at one of the community centers as well. So we are working with those stakeholder partners. Um, and uh, if they require assistance, uh, they have all of our contact information with the Office of Emergency Management. And we'll, uh, we'll look, to, to look to help out. So right now where we're at, uh, we got another hot day. So we want to make sure that you, uh, you slow it down, drink lots of water, keep a hat on, you know, stay in the shade if you, if you have to. All right. Assistant Chief Jay Shaw with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service joining us live on 680 CJOB with some valuable tips. Thank you so much for the time. Very much appreciated, sir. Thank you. Looking at a headline from Friday at globalnews.ca, WestJet Air Canada will end physical distancing on flights starting July 1st, Loren. Yeah, Air Canada had previously booked or block the sale of adjacent seats in economy class. And WestJet Airlines had also done the same throughout the entire plane as a way to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. But as of Wednesday, July 1st, that practice is coming to an end, which means airlines will work to sell every single flight on the plane. There will be no longer any spacing at all between people if that plane is full. And that's raising some concerns. Gabor Lukash is president of Air Passenger Rights. That's an advocacy advocacy group for flyers and he joins us now good morning good morning tell us what your primary concern is here i understand there's major issues within the airline industry they're working to get back on their feet economically speaking but it it feels like to some this is way too early to make this shift and to start selling all the seats on the plane gabber the fundamental concern is to the health and safety of passengers on board and the population at a destination Social distancing has been endorsed by all public health experts as a prominent way to mitigate infection. We are being told to engage in, engage in social distancing in public, in the malls, when we get on public transportation, such as buses, and even when we are in the open air outside. The recommended distance is about two meters between every individual. There is no scientific evidence as to why this should be abolished on aircraft. Aircraft is not any better than being on a bus. And in terms of the risk, keeping more distance actually increases the, uh, the uh, safety at a, quadri- at a quadratic level. So if you are 
twice as far from a person as someone else, then you are going to be exposed to the aerosol at least only a quarter of what the other person is, quite possibly more because of gravity. But Gabor, as, La, as Loren mentioned, I mean, this is a, it's been especially difficult on the airlines. Are there kind of, is this a situation where they're sort of in a, a rock and a hard place? Like there's no win decision for them here. There's only one right decision in such situation, one that protects lives and public health. The very argument that an airline should be permitted to put its passengers' lives at risk is fundamentally troubling. And uh, there are serious questions about the ability of the government to handle the situation if they are giving in to such kind of behavior. By the same token, I could argue that we should allow supermarkets to sell spoiled meat because it will make them more profitable and they are also hard hit. Are we going to accept it as a society? Is that the kind of Canada we are looking at, that the profit trumps everything? I would say that if airlines may need some help, then under some suitable conditions, like in Germany, they may need to get some help. But just the need for the airlines to survive cannot override the basic moral imperative to protect the public. And even if you look only from an economic perspective, forget about morals, uh, if you allow this type of behavior and people at the destination get infected and we have a second wave of coronavirus prematurely before it would be necessary due to other biological factors, then the entire economy is going to pay the price, a very steep price, as we have seen in wave one, just for 3% airline industry or travel industry to survive. That's wrong. From a purely economic perspective, the 97% of Canada should not be paying the price of the 3% wanting to make a buck. And it raises questions here, too, Gabor. I might have been comfortable booking a flight knowing there was going to be social distancing and that spacing between seats. The circumstance is now that I might have hypothetically had a flight booked for Canada Day or for Thursday thinking that I was going to have that social distancing or for a couple of weeks from now. And now that's all changed. And so do I have the right to fight back against that airline and say, hang on, I don't want this ticket now because I didn't know you were going to change the social distancing policy. Legally, you do have a right to a refund because the service you're getting is substantially different than what you had paid for. They misled you to believe that you would have social distancing on board. They no longer have it. It's a material change. In practical terms, we have seen that the airlines are being very combative. Even when the flight is canceled entirely, they still refuse to provide refunds unlawfully. We know that that's a form of theft, what the airlines are doing with the refunds of uh, flights that were canceled. But so far, uh, the only thing that is happening is number of class actions, but the government is allowing the airlines to get away with it. They have not uh, taken any legal steps against the airline. They have not arrested any of the CEOs who are endorsing such theft. So we have a government that, that tacitly endorses unlawful uh, conduct of the airlines. And so far, it was only with respect to money. Now it is also getting to public health. Is it good, that, though, that they're at least requiring passengers to wear masks? Certainly masks are an important step. The European uh, Aviation um, Agency also recommends that. So absolutely, I, I wear masks, but it's not sufficient. 
So then with that, what, what what do we do? Like, what what's the next step here in terms of either fighting back or lobbying the governments? Because there's also the whole question of a bailout for the airline industry, which has been up in air for months. As we as passengers, what would you like to see them asking for? I would say that that don't fly currently. It's not safe to fly in this condition that those airlines are creating. You, you have one way of showing what you really think about this behavior, which is not to bring them your business. If you have a, a way to get to A to B by car or just stay in your province, uh, go for a vacation even within your province or just do a staycation, staying at home and enjoying a little bit of free time with your family, all that are viable options. Um, in terms of uh, the airline's behavior in general, I would say that uh, initiating chargebacks on a credit card is one of the ways to fight back, ultimately even refusing to pay credit card bills that uh, refer to uh, invalid transactions, transactions for which you receive nothing in return. Uh, the ultimate strategy is to make sure that you don't end up holding the bag for the airlines or the banks that seem to be backing some of the airlines make sure that the banks or the airlines end up facing the financial consequences. Gabor Lukash, president of Air Passenger Rights and Advocacy Group for Flyers, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Gabor, thank you very much for this. Thank you very much for having me. We've got three minutes here. Here's the question for the Ron Paul Garden Center gift card. $50 up for grabs according to a new survey. 88% of couples say doing this household activity together at least once a week can improve communication and improve the relationship. What is it? And let's keep it clean here. Again, (laughs) 88% of couples say doing this household activity together at least once a week can improve communication and improve the relationship. Jim. What is it? Is it doing dishes? No, it is not doing dishes. Thank you. That's a great guess. Thank you, Jim. Howard, do you know what it is? Uh, Is it the laundry? No, it's not the laundry. But thank you for the guess. Barb, do you know what it is? Barb? Oh, preparing a meal? Say that again. Preparing a meal. Yeah, I'm going to give that to you. The answer is cooking dinner together. Wow. Great. Is that something that uh, that you've done together, Barb? Yes, yes, we do. We do cook some meals together. Yeah? Is it generally an enjoyable experience, or does it ever lead to uh, any, like, you know, throwdowns? Well, 50-50. <laughs> Good answer, Barb. <laughs> hey, Barb, thanks so much. I'm going to put you on hold, and Forte is going to get your details off the air. Thank you. Yes, cooking dinner together. And I have to admit, Loren, uh, it was 50-50 for me, too, when I had a significant other. Uh, Usually what would end up happening, and and guilty as charged on this, usually what would happen is, hey, you want to come help? As I'm sitting on the couch, and I'd say, I'd do the old, (sighs) okay. (laughs) And I feel so bad about that. I'm so guilty about that because just get up and help. Well, that's okay. You know, in our house, like, we're actually pretty good to split how we prepare meals. And uh, my husband's pretty good, like, regular, actually, is what to ask what can he do. But sometimes we have a great deal where I say nothing, but you're doing cleanup after because I like that. I like that, too. So I'll say, you know, I'm, I've got a whole system going, but you've got all these dirty pots and pans, and that seems to work. He, it, what, what makes me laugh about cooking is that um, I feel like men, when, well, I shouldn't say men, 
the, that in my circumstance, stirring seems to be the big thing. Like there'll be a pot on the stove and he's like, should I stir that? I'm like, if you want, like it seems to be the limited knowledge. So he's yeah. just standing there enjoying the stir. Doesn't really need it, but it makes him feel like he's doing something, I think. I think that I, I am guilty of that as well. It does make you feel like you're doing something. You're maintaining something. So, hey, we've got $50 gift cards all week long for Ron Paul Garden Center here on The Start. The news this afternoon, we'll have a large two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia Pizza. And follow us on social media as well. A 15-inch two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia Pizza. And I, I guess uh, Skylar Peters is supposed to be filling in on the news this afternoon. But he retweeted one of Corey's videos uh, saying this is, this is a video of Corey saying here's another view of a storm washout on the highway. And Skylar says this is standing in between me and getting back to CJOB to host the news tonight. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, I, Greg's trying to make his way to Rapid City and has come up against a few roadblocks and by roadblocks, I mean water. So it, it's going to make it challenging to get in and around that region, I, I think. I would just say to Skylar, no excuses. Get back to work. <laughs> Go out, buy a truck, get through that water and make it work. <laughs> what do you mean your car doesn't, uh, isn't a hovercraft? Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.